everybody and welcome back to the Robo Browns podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. And today we're going to talk about um, why I don't want to run your farm. Um, first, I'm going to go through, so people kind of, I don't know, I get, every once in a while I have people ask me about stats. And I don't know if people understand how podcasts, um, we can track this stuff. And I can't see who watched or listens to it, but I can see like your general area. Um, our last, I just pulled up the last 30 days. My number one city is York in the United Kingdom or Britain, UK. And, uh, if you ever watch Braveheart, that was the city that, uh, Wallace sacked or put a siege on in the 1200s. Um, that's kind of different. Uh, apparently they really like one episode. Um, and we always get Atlanta. Um, I always end up with, um, Mountain View, California, which FBN headquarters, Google. Um, and then we always end up with a bunch of different, like, bigger, let's say, corporate centers for agriculture. And, um, yeah, really, the last month has been a lot of the UK and Canada, which is uh, a little different. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it's always different to pull that up. It's in the last 12 months, um, Chicago, Illinois, number one, hey, traders. Uh, number two is Mountain View, California, IFBN headquarters. I don't know what's going on with that, but apparently I'm really popular with them. Um, and it's always interesting just to kind of go through this. So every once in a while I pull it up, kind of go through it. I can't see where you are listening from, but uh, I can give you a, within a couple of towns usually of who listened to it. Um, I can't see exactly who it is, but at least we can see um, some... Just, <laughs> Some statistics. I'm starting to sound like uh, Dick from Dick and Jane. Um, anyway, I'm uh, going to talk about why I don't want to run a farm, right? I think the biggest rebuttal that I see online as an agronomist, um, when other agronomists talk about topics, subjects, um, is usually there's almost always a farmer that posts, man, if we just let the agronomist run the farm, everything would go perfect. They have no clue what they're talking about when it comes to operations. And I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I, I've spent a lot of my career uh, trying to spend a lot more time on a farm. And I mean, I grew up on a farm and around farms and with a family that's farm for, I would be the seventh generation if I was there. So there's six generations in uh, our original home farm in Indiana. And so I at least hope I have a little bit more knowledge than most people. Um, but I, I don't know. I would say day-to-day operations. Sometimes I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Um, I've, I've planted corn. I've combined corn and soybeans. I've driven green cart. I've driven truck. I've driven tillage tractor. Um, you know, and I've been there every day for through a couple seasons. Um, most of the time I'm usually there. Um, most of the times I'm usually there uh, when I need to be and when I can't be. And so I would say there's some of us that take an interest or at least um, a very vivid interest in in trying to be around farms and understand what's going on. Now, you know, obviously there's, there are people that do my job that have never been on a farm other than uh, professionally. Yeah. You know, there's maybe some, something to that, but, you know, we always look for problems, right? That's kind of the job. It's the sucky part of the job is I don't always get to tell you good news. I always kind of be the harbinger of bad news is 
is almost 90% of what I do is looking at uh, insects, disease. Um, you know, I, I look for, you know, we, we typically look for problems, you know, and the biggest thing I've tried to make more of a uh, conscious effort is trying to focus on the good things. And um, it's really hard to look past the bad stuff and look for the good stuff. And I think that's the hardest part of the job sometimes. And I think that's something that a lot of us could take, uh, could take a lesson in is trying to look for the good things. Um, you know, it's almost always our, my most popular things are insect pressure, uh, disease, weeds, you name it. Uh, right now we've been looking for Japanese beetles and not finding many. And, um, you know, right now I'm going to be looking for a tar spot this week. Sure. I'll find some, uh, there's a lot of guys always seem to be worried about what could go wrong. Um, but a lot of the time I focus on, I guess I, I'm, I'm a big guy on understanding tillage and, and no-till and cover crops and spend a lot of time trying to understand the ins and outs of the other things that affect your crops, not just insects, disease, um, fertilizer, chemical spraying and weeds. And I want to be, I've always wanted to be, and I've always tried to be, uh, the agronomist that understands, you know, kind of what plants can tell us. You know, I always talk to growers about, um, at the end of the year, um, it's really hard for us to do a postmortem on corn plants, but during this time of year, we actually still have some of the clues. We can go in and, and look at what deficiencies are showing up on the plants. And I can see how the root structure looks and planting depth still. And there's all this stuff that gives me clues of what's going on in the cornfield uh, and the soybeans too. And all those things give me a clue what's going on. But once the plants die, it's really hard for us to understand. And so we spend a lot of time this time of year evaluating corn and valuing hybrids. And, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking for next year's stuff now. This year's stuff is, for the most part, done. You know, we're, we're past R3 on soybeans in a lot of fields, or at least pretty dang close to being past R3. Um, and as far as corn goes, once we're done through brown silk, um, other than maybe an outside really rare uh, late fungicide application, we're pretty much done with corn. And either that or a late soybean uh, insect flush, which might happen this year, who knows. But for the most part, we're done with 2020. And I'm focusing on 2021, starting pretty much this week. And a lot of what we're looking at is weed control. Um, and we're looking at disease, insect pressure. Uh, for a lot of it, though, it's going to be looking at how hybrids respond to different environments, different plantings, different management practices. Um, we spend a lot of time walking fields right now. And, you know, there, there's always these guys. And, and it, one one thing that happened that really brought this up was there was a, an applicator spring right next to uh, one of the researchers or actually the extension weed specialist for Wisconsin, uh, right next to the subdivision and drifting into a subdivision on a windy day. And, um, the comments in that was, you know, if we did everything they told us to do, we'd never get anything done, but you know, it is what it is. And do I want to run your farm? No, you know, I, I know the ins and outs of a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I understand how my pressures work. Um, do I understand the full pressure of running a farm? No, because I haven't done it. Um, I try to help as much as I can, but there, there are a lot of things that you do that I don't get to do. But also there are a lot of things that I do that you don't get to do. And 
a lot of my job is telling people what's wrong with their fields. I'd like to do a better job of trying to tell people what's right with their fields. And the nice, well, I wouldn't say the nice thing about Wisconsin, but the, the thing about Wisconsin is it always seems like we got something wrong with every field. Um, I mean, it just, our environment is so different uh, from north to south of my territory. I run from peak ground to gravel bottoms to fields that have 12 inches of soil on top of a, uh, a uh, limestone deposit, basically. Um, I've got fields that are heavy, heavy clays next to river bottoms that uh, we got a three-quarter inch rain, and we were always kind of mad about it because we were still wet that our soybeans are basically, they're not drowning as construction's going on in my neighborhood behind me, but um, they weren't drowning, but basically they weren't making nitrogen because they can't get water in. Um, well, not water, but air into the root zone. And these beans are turning to turn yellow because we're having issues with uh, microbial activity and bacterial activity. And... Um, it's a very, very different region, and it almost seems like one part of my area is almost on the verge of a drought, and the other side of my area is always on the verge of being too wet. You know, we kind of told this line of one place needs two inches of rain, the other place needs no rain, and then usually that flips, and it's just a nightmare. But there's always these things that we have to look at that are wrong, and it's kind of a pain to try to balance that. And anyway... It's it's always a lot of, I mean, most of my job is to tell people what is going on in their fields. And sometimes it's what's wrong, sometimes it's what's right. Um, and I get where that could be construed as, you know, I think I know more about farming than you do. I know more about what I'm supposed to know about than a lot of people, I hope. Uh, I mean, that's kind of why maybe I get hired by people. Um, and I hope that's why I get hired by people. Uh, not just because I'm a likable guy, which I'm I'm kind of weird. So usually if somebody hires me, they must really, really, really need my help, I would hope. Um, it's, it's really more fun and, and laughable when I'm with somebody else and not by myself sitting in a room. Um, but anyway, you know, I think a lot of what we want to do is is help guys. And I'm not going to be the guy. I mean, you know, we, we went through some break-evens this year. And I gave some, I wouldn't say marketing advice, but I was like, hey, you know, we're we're looking pretty good on, on our break-evens right now at the yields we're predicting. And, you know, this is way back in like November and November through January. And at that time, let's say corn was about a dollar more than it is per bushel right now, uh, maybe 90 cents, but pretty close to it. And soybeans were, I don't know, 60, 70 cents uh, higher at one point. Um... And I had one guy goes, you look like a freaking genius. You should have told me this whole everything. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we, we kind of made some made some comments and thoughts on what we thought was going on. And But I'm like, who predicted what's going on now? And I'm not, I'm not the guy merchandising the grain. I'm not the guy marketing the grain. I'm just looking at numbers. And I'm, I'm seeing these are the numbers we're dealing with. This would be the time that maybe... Uh, you know, it might be worth talking to somebody about marketing this. And, you know, I could be out there and saying, hey, I told everybody they should have sold at $9 soybeans and three eighty corn last fall. But I'm not. And and that's not the way it should be. Um, I'm not the guy that has to try to understand that there is uh, a trade deal coming. Um, you know, what's going on in Brazil or South America. 
uh, our policies with China, different trade agreements with, you know, I mean, trying to balance all that, it's a nightmare. It was a lot easier when I was a kid, and I'm sure with a lot of people that have farmed for more than 10 years, it's a lot easier probably in the 90s and 2000s. All we had to worry about was, is ethanol going to happen or not? Or how's the corn crop looking in Iowa? Um, this has turned into a, a big thing, and it, it's kind of a nightmare. Uh, but I'll regress on the marketing side, but there are a lot of opportunities where I could look like a genius, and I, I don't flaunt those. It, it's not my thing. I'm not an expert in those areas. And I think a lot of the times where you could look like a genius, you flaunt that. And then the next time you look like a total dud, everybody's going to blame you. So I, I try not to be that guy. And I'm not the person that has to balance emotion with marketing and emotion with trying to figure out what you're going to plant and emotion with trying to balance your checkbook even. Um, I mean, I understand how that stuff goes. You know, I run a business. My business is driven by how well my producers do or my clients or growers, farms, whatever you want to be called. Um, we all balance that. And if my guys are having a bad year, next year's probably going to be bad for me. You know, like I'm not going to be able to buy something I need to buy or would like to buy. Um, or uh, I think I took six months with no pay the first year I did this because I had no business. Um, so, you know, I quit my job and lost out on a bonus and basically lost out on six months worth of pay. And yeah, I'm taking a risk, took a big risk doing this. Uh, every year we do, um, we plant crops, we all take risks. Um, I think trying to play the game where we're trying to say that people don't have a certain risk or, a, a t you know, an interest in your farm. Yeah. Maybe that the co-op you know, they're getting a steady paycheck. Yeah, maybe, but, you know, their pay is def definitely affected by the next year. If you get less sales, there's some companies that just let you go even if you drop a little bit on sales. Um, if you're not growing every year, they there's companies that will cut you. So I think it all affects everybody. We don't want to run your farm, but we also are here to help you uh, maybe improve something. I mean, that's the biggest thing I think I work on is trying to help farms improve part of their operation. You know, we, we talk, there's a lot of people that talk about growing more bushels and that's how you're going to, you know, basically you get more bushels. That's the best way to prosperity. To me, I look at, we're trying to grow, I mean, we've talked about this organic bushels. Basically we're, we're looking at what our current management is, what can we change or tweak or kind of maybe improve to gain more bushels by not spending more money. Maybe, maybe we change the practice we're doing or, or how deep we're running tillage or, Maybe we can save a tillage pass or we can save a little bit of money on kind of mixing up our chemical program, or maybe we need to spend a little bit more money on our chemical program, which with soybeans this year, it looks like that's definitely a possibility. But there's all these things that I try to balance and try to understand on my side. You know, when I first meet a, a, a prospect or somebody that I've not talked to before, first thing I talk about is, you know, what's your tillage program? Uh, what's your fertilizer program like? Um, you know, do you plant corn and corn? Do you plant, I mean, we, we go through all that stuff. I don't even try to sell them on anything. That's the worst thing I think can ever happen is the first call is somebody trying to sell you stuff. I just want to know what the heck I'm dealing with and how I approach things and how we look at things are going to affect greatly how I, you know, go forward with my relationship with your farm. And that's, I think what's done really well. Jeez, there's a lot of stuff going outside. But anyway, you know, we'll end it here before these guys start tearing up more of my street. But 
you know, that's, that's a lot what we do. I don't want to run your farm. I mean, I, I sometimes don't even want to run my own business because it's, I got to deal with the IRS all the time and accountants and, and trying to balance stuff. And, and what am I going to buy to get rid of money? And what am I going to, you know, it just, uh, it, it's, it's a lot more background work. I find a lot of my time is spent on weekends trying to sit in the office and do stuff. And I'm terrible at sitting in the office doing stuff sometimes. Um, I'm a lot better when I'm out in the field. feels like I get more done when I'm physical and I can actually touch things and do things. Um, sitting in an office and talking on the phone and, and putting stuff into computers and creating things that way is somewhat seems counterproductive, but I know it's very productive. Um, even like doing this podcast, uh, taking 20, 30 minutes to pop this thing out for you guys. It's, it's an investment. Hope it actually means something. Um, seems like it has been. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll regress again. <laughs> As I'm drone, I need a guest at some point to try to get somebody on here so I can actually talk and have a flowing conversation instead of hearing myself get off topic a lot. But anyway, like I said, I don't want to run your farm. Um, I don't think you want to run my business either. It's, there's a lot of things and regulations and stuff I have to deal with. And I know you guys have that too. Um, I think everybody's kind of where they want to be and we're not trying to run farms. And, and the best thing I can say is most agronomists that are, are fairly honest and upfront are really only trying to help. And if there's issues we find, I think I got to do a better job. I think a lot of us need to do a better job trying to understand the farmer's perspective on things. That That's something I've always tried to make sure I handle and try to look at it as if we were farmers. And I spent a lot of time understanding that and trying to work with it. And I really want to find a better way to, uh, to look for the good things. And I think we can all get along. Um, I mean, there's always going to be the guys that they can do it themselves. That's fine. But there is a, a very large segment of agriculture that, you know, agronomists do help and we try to, and that that's kind of my entire life's goal is to help. Um, I, I, I have a saying in my office and I think it says, I wrote this and our house cleaner loves it. Uh, I wrote this thing. It says, um, spend today creating value for my customers and try not to be a dick about it. And I think that's kind of my goal, uh, is creating value for my guys and not being a dick about it, like not bragging, not trying to be the guy that, that tells them that he's number one. And that's never been my thing. Um, I'm like Dwight Schrute. I had a dream last night and the best number was number two. We're number two. I don't want to be number two either, but, um, I just want to be steady. I want to have, you know, a good relationship with people and I want to help you guys improve. And that's, or at least my growers or my customers or my farms, you know, people spend thousands of dollars at marketing firms trying to figure out what to call you guys. Let's just say you're farmers and just trying to help our farmers. And that, that's our whole goal. When I wake up in the morning, I put my boots on and I put my jeans on or my khakis at this point. Uh, my hiking khakis, which is a whole nother episode maybe on. But anyway, when I put all this stuff on in the morning, I throw my knife in my pocket and I go out the door. My entire day is spent working with my guys, my girls, whoever. I always say guys. Um, my entire day is spent helping them increase either the bottom line or improving their, their life or improving their farm. 
And that's entirely what our goal is here. So we're not trying to take over your farm. I don't want to. Um, I hate running my own business some days, but I do love it most of the time. So anyway, we're going to end it there. Uh, before I got a bunch of guys running in front of the house here to start making a bunch of noise. But I'll catch you guys next time. Uh, hopefully I get a guest sometime soon. Uh, I can spend a little more time uh, sitting down with guys. We're starting to slow down. So I'll catch you next time.